Welcome, y'all, to In the Pines. A monthly podcast about the mysterious, weird, and unexplainable that can happen in the American wilderness. I'm Nikki, and a few hundred miles to myself is... Pox Holiday. And Pox, guess what? What? I got a bone to pick with you, sir. (laughs) Because you have gotten me absolutely hooked on a podcast um, that you've been talking about on Twitter. Um, Dead Eyes? Yeah. That is so good. It's such a good podcast. Yeah. As I said on Twitter, I've been, you know, quote unquote, in the podcasting world for 10 years, and I've only been jealous of three or four podcasts in my life, and Dead Eyes is one of them. It's just, it's perfect. And then uh, they actually started following me the other day on Twitter, and I was like, all right. (laughs) You've made it. (laughs) I've made it. I'm being followed by a podcast that has ended. (laughs) Like, and I think that's really, I think that's really one of those things like, you know, I mean, you kind of know now, you know, kind of what episode 31 or 32 is going to be about at this point. You've seen the news. Yeah. So it's like, wow, like, oh, they f- finally did a serial with an ending. Yeah, finally. No, my thing is, <laughs> it's like, I love Tom Hanks so much. Like, and if that last episode is like an utter disappointment, I'm going to be so sad. Like, an utter disappointment of Tom Hanks himself. I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> oh, like, man. Oh, oh. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't, I don't care what he, I don't care if he, yeah, I don't care if he came right out and told the dude straight to his face. You've got dead eyes right now. I, he was still Tom Hanks. He was oh still, my gosh. But yeah, it's, it's a great podcast. If people haven't heard of it, yeah, it's called dead eyes with Connor Ratcliffe. And it's the entire point of the show is that 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Now he was, uh, cut from band of brothers yeah. by Tom Hanks because Tom can Tom Hanks said he had dead eyes. And it's just like, it's, it, like I said, it, if you just read the description of the podcast, you're like, why would I want to watch this? Yeah. Why would I want to watch this? But, but if, if, if people do like him, if they do like Connor Ratcliffe and they like that show, he does a television on television. He does a YouTube show called the George Lucas talk show. Oh, I didn't realize and that. Yeah, it's insane. And it started off as the, they were like UCB, New York comedians yeah and they uh and so he plays he plays george lucas uh another guy plays Watto from the first one <laughs> the guy who owns anakin skywalker and sells him because you know oh yeah as it says in there he's a slave yeah um and then there's their producer and then they usually have a guest on and like when i say they have a guest on it's like they'll have on Patton oswalt or they'll have on like they do this uh marathon things to raise money and they will literally watch the entire, all the run of Arliss in a weekend. Oh, wow. And over the course of it. Yeah. Over the course of that, then they'll have on like Robert Wool. They'll have on all these famous people to help raise money for these things. And it's, if you like that show, um, people, if people like that show, then they'll understand my sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> got it pegged right <laughs> yeah 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 so but anyway enough uh, yeah so we spent the first 10 minutes of our podcast talking about another podcast listen it's so good though and it's all your fault and <laughs> i is. love it so it, much i'm like it is i'm getting backlogged on like my favorite murder and i don't remember what else that i like listen to all the time i'm like but i can't stop listening to this like it's just yeah, that good. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very very bingeable very bingeable yeah but uh 
Yeah, one day I'll talk about the other podcasts I'm like jealous of, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this uh, interesting town? Okay, sounds good. So, let me ask you this. When someone asks you to picture the American Southwest in your mind, what images does that bring up to you? Oh, uh, the first word, tumbleweed. <laughs> yes. Um, tumbleweed, uh, desert, sandy soil, mesas. Yeah, that right. kind of thing. Right, So Cowboys. <laughs> there we go. So you think of, you know, a drondest deserted landscape, right? With flatlands going for miles and miles. The occasional red clay mesa darting up from the earth and mountains like kind of far in the distance. You know, you think of sagebrush and like sparse grass dotted across the landscape. Well, amongst that landscape lies the small town of Marfa, Texas. So Marfa, Texas was, uh, let me try that again. Marfa, Texas was first established in 1883 as a water stop and freight headquarters for the Galveston, Harrisburg, and San Antonio Railway. Um, It was a booming small town that, legend has it, acquired its name when the wife of a railroad executive suggested the name Marfa, not Martha, Marfa, from, I'm going to butcher this beyond belief, and I'm sorry whoever likes this author, but um, from Fyodor... Dostoevsky's book, The Brothers Karamazov. I don't know how bad I butchered that. I'm sure somebody will let me know. I think it's perfect. (laughs) Thanks. Um, And she was reading this book at the time. However, it was later figured out from scholars on down the road that Marfa was actually named after Marfa Strogoff, a character in Jules Verne's novel, Michael Strogoff. So a little contention there on the name. So Marfa, Texas sits at an elevation of 4,830 4, feet above sea level on a great highland plain known as the Marfa Plateau. To the north of Marfa are the Davis Mountains, to the southeast are the Chisos Mountains, and southwest are the Chinati Mountains. Um, it's a semi-arid region with many dry steam, stream beds, not steam beds, stream beds, that the summer thunderstorms fill and further erode away. Marfa now serves as the county seat of Presidio County, where it lies at the present-day junction of U.S. Highways 90 and 67. In a 1930 census, the town of Marfa had 3,909 residents and was starting to experience a kind of growth despite the Great Depression that was going on as that was spreading across the U.S., And because of this continued growth, in the 1940s, the government actually stationed the chemical warfare brigades in Marfa and constructed a prisoner of war camp nearby to it. World War II also saw the building of Marfa Army Airfield, and that was 10 miles to the east of Marfa, and it served as an advanced flight training base. However, the military installations were closed the following year, um, and this unfortunately ended a vital economic and cultural influence on the area. Until the 1970s, Marfa was actually best known as the film location for James Dean's final picture, Giant, which also co-starred Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor. I'm a rich boy. Me, I'm going to have more money than you ever thought you could have. You and all the rest, you stinking sons of Benedicts. Leslie, you go out in the house. 
Take the women with you. <laughs> Jack, we're real glad you struck it. Now you go on along home. Then, in 1971, a world-renowned minimalist artist by the name of Donald Judd moved to Marfa from New York City with the intention of permanently installing his art. Due in part to Judd's start of the art scene in Marfa and its continued growth for artists of all kinds, whether they were performers, painters, photographers, filmmakers, musicians, Marfa is now an internationally renowned art scene. Um, There's now numerous studios, galleries, and museums that all display different types of arts and are used for different types of art forms. Perhaps one of the most like peculiar art installations that people might recognize as being connected with Marfa is the Prada Marfa. So the Prada Marfa is a permanent sculptural sculptural art installation and it's by artist Elmgreen and Dragset and it's located along US Route 90 in Jeff Davis County, Texas. Um, the installation actually sits 1.4 miles northwest of Valentine, Texas, and it's a whole 26 miles northwest of Marfa. So Marfa's its namesake city, but it's actually like a pretty decent distance from it. The installation is in the form of a freestanding building, specifically a Prada storefront, and it was completed on October 1st, 2005, wow. and the construction cost of it was $120,000. That's insane. Um, the artists describe the work as a, quote, pop architectural land art project. Um, and the original intent of that building would, would be for it to not be repaired, but would rather, you know, they wanted it to just gradually decay and degrade into its surroundings. However, they revised that plan after vandals graffitied the exterior of the store and stole its contents the night the sculpture was completed. <laughs> <laughs> like the very night that it was done. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Like every picture I've seen of that thing. And, and, and we'll put a picture up with this episode, but like every time I look at it, I'm like, that's a lot of glass. It is. Yeah. But, <laughs> and it's actually been vandalized. So the, like I said, that first time was literally the night it was done on, you know, in 2005. And then more recently in 2014, it was vandalized again. Um, and the guy that vandalized it, he goes by an alias of just like an eight digit number. And he said, I don't, he was just <laughs> like, I'm going to graffiti it and make my own art or some shit like that. I don't know. It was weird. So, but that was the Marfa Prada. Um, some other shows and movies that were filmed in and around the town of Marfa include, yeah. you'll love this. Cause I'm pretty sure you've told me you like the show, a 2019 episode of the Simpsons. Um, called Mad About the Toy is, I guess, based out of Marfa in that episode. Um, and then in the movies, There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men um, were both filmed in Martha in 2006. So 2006 was a busy year of filming for Martha, Marfa, Texas. Um, but perhaps the most notable, at least to me, because I'm a total nerd for him, um, was one of the last episodes of Anthony Bourdain's uh, Parts Unknown, was centered around far west Texas, and in particular, the town of Marfa and its artisan scene. So, um, if you haven't, I don't know if you are a big, you know, Anthony Bourdain fan. I am. I adored that man, and I thought he was fantastic. Or his work, at least, that he did. But that episode on far west Texas is really, really good. This first war I ever been into where a uh, person next to me is uh, petting a goat. <laughs> in here? 
sometimes the dog, all types. <laughs> dogs come in without their owners. As long as everybody behaves, whether you got two legs or four, everything's good. So that's my little background on Marfa. It's not a ton because it's kind of hard to find a lot of info about it, but hopefully I did it justice. <laughs> it's for what I'm going to talk about. It's 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 more than enough. It's an interesting place to say the very least. And yeah. I, I, as, as someone who has driven through West Texas twice, I'm a little bit upset that I never went there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Have you? Have you ever watched Parts Unknown? I've I've watched like I that's one of those shows that like I I, I can't sit down and binge it. Um, I know mm-hmm. that one of the last ones I probably saw was the Obama episode, and so I just I never really wa- sat down and watched a lot of it. Um, I yeah. think part of it part of it is scarring from yeah. working with Makes chefs sense. and and the n- knowing. And feeling the wrath of chefs. Not that he was that way, but <laughs> yeah, like, no. you know, uh, yeah, let's just, I guess you could just say, like, I put my hand on a hot stove one too many times with, with chefs. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And, uh, but no, but I, I, I have since come to realize that it, it is a show that I probably should check out. And may- maybe, maybe if we ever do a Patreon, we can, uh, <laughs> there we a, go. <laughs> watch along. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll get going on this and, you know. I'm so excited for this. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm really excited. <laughs> Today, the podcast is about floating lights. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> as, as a reminder to our listeners, you know, we don't share our information. The, I think the only thing we talked about at all before this was I asked if you were going to talk about Prada. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that was it. That was it. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to talk about it at the end. Like, okay, cool. And so that's all we've shared. And so there's just this crazy fucking coincidence that came up in your description that I'm like, Oh my God. So while you were reading, I was actually typing uh-huh. and re- redoing a paragraph <laughs> that's like at the end of this show. And, um, yeah. So I was just like, it was just like, a, a, a like my ears perked up and was like, Oh my God. And then I had to Google it real quick and find the, and it was like, okay. So yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. All right, so uh, so in other words, that also means some stuff might be repeated from the beginning to, to now, but I'll try and take out what I can. Yeah, um, be right. So over 450 miles west of Austin is a small, funky, artistic town of less than 2,000 residents. Despite its remote West Lo- Texas location and its small size, Marfa, Texas attracts a large number of visitors per year. Some come for the art galleries or the burgeoning fine dining scene in town or to visit the film location for James Dean's final starring role before he died. But long before Prada had set up that shop on the end of this one-horse town, the Marfa Lights had been attracting visitors for generations. According to eyewitnesses, the Marfa Lights appeared to be roughly the size of basketballs and are very varyingly described as white, blue, yellow, red, or other colors. Some viewers claim that the Marfa Lights hover, merge, twinkle, or split into two, flicker, float up in the air, or just quickly dart across the desert floor. There's a viewing platform 22 miles south of Marfa where a sign reading stargazing parking. Uh, That's, that's one of the more popular places to go. Um, It's, it's, it's recommended to arrive there before sunset. So you can kind of get your bearings. And what they say is you're going to want to locate where the, and I'm going to the same, same thing. There's going to be some things that we all miss (laughs) mispronouncing here, but the, they're either the, the Chianti, or the Chianti Mountains in the distance across the Mitchell Flat. And the Mitchell Flat is just what you're looking out of uh, at this viewing area. It's just called the Mitchell Flat. 
And so you kind of want to figure out where they also talk. There's like a radio tower off in the distance. So you want to make sure you're not looking at that as being a flashing light. And so anyway, so they just kind of say to get there before. So you're not just seeing darkness. This will give you some idea. So wait, so they have this viewing plan. It's not for like just to go look at the night sky. It's specifically for these lights. That viewing yeah, place. Th- there's there, there's mul- the, the, yeah what you kind of find out is there's like multiple people that have like we have the best viewing point um what? and so yeah yeah so there's places that are like oh no no you know come see the the you know the real marfa lights here or so there's a few people that have like land and they just at night open it up and let people you know come in families come in and and you know I read different accounts. There were varying accounts from people's experience there. Some were just yeah. like, there's kids and trash everywhere, or there's people being quiet, or, you know, some people blasting music, like just depending on which place you went to or whatever. It just sounds like you can have some varying uh, experiences uh, amongst so these different weird. places. So there's like, yeah, so there's a market for finding these places. Oh my God, Actually, that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's one of the places, but, uh, so if you're staying in Marfa, you can stay at the hotel Paisano. So it's rumored that James Dean was so obsessed with these lights that he actually got a telescope put into his hotel room in in Marfa so he could film, so he could see them or he could try to see them from his hotel room in Marfa. Good gosh. Yeah. So the first historical account of the Marfa lights dates back to March 26th, 1883. A cowhand named Rupert Reed Ellison reportedly thought he was seeing the light of an Apache campfire in the distance, but upon investigation the next morning, there were no traces of humans or any kind of fire in the distance. Hmm. And uh, ever since that fateful day, locals have been passing down eyewitness accounts of the Marfa lights. However, (laughs) (laughs) the 16-year-old Ellison kept a diary or a journal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And on the 27th of it next day, he wrote down what he had observed just before the moon rose. He, uh, he and his cattle had just bedded down for the night on the Marfa Plains, somewhere between Antelope Springs and Paisano Pass. A little bit after moonrise, the 16-year-old Ellison observed, everybody in their right mind was thinking this old man. <laughs> and then you found out, wait, is a 16-year-old kid? Okay. Yeah. So 16-year-old Ellison observed that the mountains looked as though they had moved closer to him. So he believed what he was seeing was actually like reflections of the low moon shining off of the mountain, like the exposed rock of the mountain. Uh-huh. And so he, he thought he was seeing... He thought, like in his in his eyes, you know, the, the mind that was playing the, the mind was playing tricks on him was that it was the mountain had moved closer, not that there were all of a sudden lights closer to him. Okay. And so, so he thought he was seeing these reflections. So, so that's what he wrote down. In the past, in the past, where the sun never shines, and I shiver with the cold. So yeah, so so what locals say is that you really are seeing the the real Marfa lights only about a dozen or so times a year, hmm. whereas other sources say, oh no, you can see them every night; they're reliable. Some people say they come at certain times. Um, some people say that there's from from one of the studies I saw, they did not see a difference in change of weather either. 
whether huh. or not that the the lights were seen or and so it, like you said like the 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 it, it was a, it's a, it's a west texas town middle of nowhere yeah. and so it wasn't until 1986 that the town of marfa decided to embrace these mysterious lights and they threw the first marfa lights festival that that's whenever they erected this marfa lights viewing platform in 2003 um, and now thousands of people flock to this spot in what's known as the Despoblado, which is means like I think it means like the deserted place no one lives, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, the unlivable, the unlivable area, to catch a glimpse of the strange phenomenon. So one of the reasons why I was kind of cagey at the beginning of this was because there's really not much to talk about in particular with one set of lights. Uh-huh. So that's why, you know, you knew this was coming ahead of time, yes. <laughs> but there's, there's more places than just Marfa in this story. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to show that this was, this is, this is one of those things that like I thought was a phenomenon that happened close to where I live. Uh-huh. And that was one of the few places and then come to find out they're everywhere. So in Michigan, there's one called the Paulding light. Hold on. P-A-U-L. I got a question yeah. really quick about the Marfa ones. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yes, you in the back. Um, I have, I have time for one more. Okay, so they said that like they just show up regardless of the weather. I mean, it's the climate of the place is not really like they're not going to see a bunch of change to the weather. So if people actually right. like observed them, like if it's raining or something, it, that's what they say. They say like huh. between like you know like super cold weather. Yeah. Warm, it it just they you know now this is just a, a, a summary of 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 different things that I'm reading in these yeah. these these reports or stories about this thing, or or you know any kind of source I could find that didn't uh, have some kind of woo woo factor to it. Um, it just really just seemed like they they could come about at any point in time, summer, winter, fall. Huh. Yeah, like you said, like like in a place like that, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't have that much change. Yeah. But you know, in some place like the next one, the Upper Peninsula yeah. of Michigan, uh, the Paulding. Just take out this. Imagine the word Spalding and take out the S. Paulding light. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is a half century old legend that comes from what was believed to be the swaying lantern. Held by the ghost of a railroad brakeman who died when he was crushed as he tried to stop an oncoming train from hitting rail cars stalled on the track. Yes, I love a good ghost one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was a, a, a logging country uh-huh. uh, for like a hundred years or so prior to this story. And so there were railroads that kind of ran through this forest in the Upper Peninsula uh-huh. that just, they just kind of like, when they were done with it, as opposed to pulling the track, they just kind of let it just sit there. And through the years, trees and, you know, debris just created, just, you know, covered it all up. Yeah. And so these are, quote unquote, ghost trains. Um, yes. And so that's that's the other <laughs> thing we're going into now. So not only are there occasionally brakemen looking for their heads, um, uh, or yeah, or no, this guy, this guy was only looking, this guy was only a ghost. Yeah. Cause he was crushed by a train. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll see why I misspoke in a minute. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I'm excited. So it's ghost related, ghost so, light related. Makes so, me happy. <laughs> so, so so many of them uh, believe that there's just like this, there, there, there's so many stories that go along with this one as well. It's like, um, there's a distraught grandparent looking for a lost child, a grandchild 
Um, and the reason the light comes in and out it, that is that it's an old ancient lantern and the grandparent is having to continuously relight it. And that's the reason why the light seems to come and go. Some say that they just, that the lights just kind of flicker. Uh-huh. And then again, some say that they will then shoot up into the sky. Nice. And it also says that the Paulding lights can also be kind of faint. Huh. Um, so it, it's just kind of in this, it's just kind of in this like forest. Um, when I read someone's account of driving to it, uh-huh. it sounded like they were just like, you turn off at this place, you turn off this place, you go down. And then it, it sounds like there must be some kind of barrier or something like that, that they put down and it ends the highway that used to continue on. Uh-huh. It's just like, there's some pylons or a fence or something up. So this, so like it just comes to an end of this road and you can see where like the ghost of this highway used to go on. That's now a dead end. Same kind of thing where it's there's there's nothing in particular there for people like 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 in Marfa, but it's just kind of like you know like this is where people go to watch yeah. it. Let me just I saw one. Oh. yeah, yeah. Go I was ahead. gonna say. Let me just say, um, the ghost train, the ghost grandma, the ghost dude looking. <laughs> that is like hashtag goals, afterlife goals. Um, because (laughs) I hope, I know we kind of had a little mini discussion about, do we believe in ghosts? Do we not? Blah, blah, blah. Listen, if, if, if there are ghosts, I really, really want to come back as one and I want to haunt the fucking woods behind my house and just scare the shit out of people. Like I want to have my own little lantern walking around. I'll be in my sport leggings and sweatshirt, um, not in <laughs> you're, you're, not in mid-century attire, and I just want to have like my flashlight looking for my possums in the woods as a ghost and scare the shit out of whoever. You'll have lives your up nine-inch here. nail. Yes, <laughs> you'll have your nine-inch nail shirt on. I'll have or no doubt shirt. Yeah, no doubt nine-inch nails. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that will be me. So <laughs> a pair of Skechers. Oh no, not Skechers! Come on now, I'm better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Well, that'd be a spooky shoe. That would be. Um, it's scary. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Hashtag no, maybe afterlife some... goals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, even though I'm too old and never had them, like, I'd, I'd want to haunt people with Heelys. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Please. All right. <sighs> so um, now that brings us to Joplin, Missouri. The home of the Hornet Spook Light. The Hornet Spook Light. Do I feel uncomfortable? Yes. Do I feel uncomfortable using that S word? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh. But like, uh, there's a whole lot of different. Um, no, I, and I don't think that like they really do. Like, there's a million terms for these orbs, uh-huh. these floating lights, and Spook Light is one of them that's been around for a long time. Uh, ghost Light. Uh-huh. Um. You know, and then usually it's just whatever the name of the place is, yeah. like the Marfa Lights or, you know, or the Missouri. So I don't know where the Hornet got came from. I couldn't quite find that. <laughs> but um, so so the Hornet spook light in Joplin, Missouri, is described most often as, as an orange ball of light. The orb travels from east to west along a four-mile gravel Good road gosh. called the Devil's Promenade. Yes! <laughs> now we're bringing in Satan. Hell Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, oh, and just just wait. Now here we go again. Yeah, yeah. The oldest story is of, of a kupa, Q U A P A W, Indian maiden, okay. who fell in love with a young brave. However, her father would not allow her to marry the man as he did not have a large enough dowry. 
The pair eloped, but were soon pursued by a party of warriors. According to the legend, when the couple was close to being apprehended, they joined hands above Silver Spring and leapt to their death. It was shortly after this event that the light began to appear and was a tribute to the spirits of the young lovers. I can tell you right now, um, outside of Boone, North Carolina, uh, which is the highest city, I think, in North Carolina, they, they, they get... They get the worst weather or the best weather. You look however you yeah. look at it. But um, they're just uh, just north of there or just south of there is something rock. Oh, I'm blanking out now. Lover's Leap. No, that's someplace else. Anyway, there's a place where basically the exact same story I think, happens. I think every state has one of those. At least one, maybe right. multiple. <laughs> Yeah, the the one the one that's here in North Carolina, when they jumped off, there was a I believe there was a a, 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 a like a gust of wind that actually brought them back up. Oh, yeah, I don't know, but like I remember for the longest time, I had a shirt as a child. I had a shirt that basically from like you know right side to left side said whatever it was you know yeah something 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 leap whatever and then a circle like a classic 80s circle with like showing the rock and then like the the guy committing suicide nice jumping off the rock (laughs) and it's like yeah what a shirt for a child ah the 80s we um, miss her yeah But, uh, but yeah, so I, th- I think it's one of those where like, okay, so that's, that's one of those that every state has that too. Yeah. So, okay. So another legend tells of a miner whose cabin was attacked by native Americans while he was away upon his return. He found his wife and children missing and is said to continue looking for them along the old road, searching with his lantern. <laughs> Why are they always got to make like the native Americans attacking? Like, did they stop to think that maybe the Native Americans were like, yo, why are you here? Um, yeah, exactly. You're on our land. So let's <laughs> exactly. like turn that story on its side and go, hey, maybe that they were attacking the Native Americans and, you know, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say right now, you're not going to like this next one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Others say the spook light is the ghost of an Osage Indian chief who was decapitated in the <gasps> area and continues... And continues to search for his lost head with a lantern held high in his hand. That's some bullshit. You were <laughs> correct. I did not like that one. See, why we gotta be shitting? Because we're white people. I'm gonna say it again. Like I, Damn the white people. <laughs> Myself like included. I said before, you, like I said before, you understand why I misspoke about someone looking for their head. <sighs> um, okay, so uh, so not only... so This one is happens with a little more frequency... Um, people can kind of more dependently see it. And yeah. there's actually reports that it has, the, the light itself has been seen inside of cars with people inside of it. What? Yeah. A few people who have been walking along the road at night have even claimed to have felt the heat of the ball as it passed near them. Um, so uh, the, let's go back to that cars part. What? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was so one of those two that I was like. You're telling me a Native American chief who's headless decided I'm going to hop in this strange contraption. I have no idea what it is and just go with the flow. No, come on now. (laughs) The balls of light are not around in cars with people. (laughs) No, it's the spirit of the young lovers. Oh, well, weren't they like before there were cars too? (laughs) (laughs) How do any of these ghosts know what cars are? Come on. (laughs) Oh. 
So um, the Brown Mountain Lights are uh, located. Um, if you read it, it says like, um, oh, what are they? What I forgot. Morganton is what they say, mm-hmm. but it's not Morganton. It's look for the Linville Gorge um, in okay. North Carolina. And the Linville Gorge is, is exactly that. It, it, I forgot how many thousands of feet down it is, uh-huh. but it's just like, like it's, it literally is straight down and straight back up the other side. But, but, but along the, along the tops of the, the edges of the gorge there, there's a lot of exposed rock that you can get out on and look and see up and down the gorge. Yeah. And so, um, all the times that I've gone, um, I've gone up on the side where table rock is and table rock. You can actually see table rock from interstate 40. Um, once you're around Morganton, you can look over and there's literally this thing. It just is like, there's mountains. And then it just is like, almost like a box was set down on top of a mountain. It's just like, I think I've actually, I've been by there. I think driving South. I think I've actually been by that area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's, 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 it's a little bit off in the distance through some trees when you're driving by 40, but like you look mm-hmm. over like, Oh, good God, there it is. Yeah. It's a box on top of a damn mountain. Um, <laughs> <Holy cow. laughs> and, uh, yeah, I always try and look at it whenever I'm driving back and forth, but, uh, uh-huh. but, you know, so, but I've been there a bunch of times and, uh, I think, um, I was trying to put the date on this. I know one time I was there, uh, the day we got back to our car, the day that the space shuttle blew up over Texas or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, like back shoot. in 2003, two, three, something like that. No, I forgot. It's later than that, but yeah, I know when yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like we got back to our car and we were like, what? Um, from, from, from a camping trip from down there. But, uh, there's, there was this one place that we would go. Um, if people have been to the, in, been to Linville Gorge, there's uh, there's a lot of rock climbing that takes place there. And so the, the mummy, uh, the mummy is a little bit further down into the gorge, but it faces back up towards Brown mountain and, and table rock and that whole area. Okay. And so, uh, I went there with someone who has claimed to have seen the Brown mountain lights Okay. and talked about how they, sh- they, they were from the same side of the mountain that we were on, like uh, the Table Rock side of the gorge, shine over across to the other side. And it was explained to me like where Brown Mountain was and all this stuff. And it was like, you know, sometimes the lights aren't necessarily coming from Brown Mountain. They're just, they're like being shined on Brown Mountain. I was like, okay. Okay. You know, and, and and Brown Mountain is one of the Brown Mountain Lights is one of those things you've heard if you live in North, live in North Carolina, you've heard it your entire life, and so it's yeah. like okay, and so I'm here, I am now, like in the perfect place to see all this stuff, and there's no one around us, there's no other people, like we were in this hidden, tucked in spot, mm-hmm. and so I was sitting there, and well, I'll tell that I'll tell that part in a bit. Let me, let me get back here to Brown Mountain. Like I said, they're, 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 they, they sometimes shine across. Sometimes there's these, these balls of light. They're also kind of, you know, the same thing. They're sometimes blue. They're sometimes white. They're sometimes yellow. The whole thing. Um, but uh, so guess what? Uh, part of it, part of the folklore is that it is a slave Searching for his lost master. Oh God! Down and across the ridges and across the valley. Oh, why yeah. do I feel like he would not be lis- looking for his uh, master? He's probably looking for a way to get the fuck out. But that's just yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Now, I think I remember at some point in time in my life hearing that it might have been the other way around. Uh-huh. That it was a slave master looking for a slave. Oh. Um, but it was the way it was kind of explained to me was kind of more like, oh, he was looking for him because he was lost. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's the way history described it to us in our North Carolina history book. Gotcha. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's that whole, um, but, uh, the, the, uh, antebellum view of the civil war and yada, yada. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. One early account of the lights dates from September 24th, 1913, as reported in the Charlotte daily observer. The, the article mentions a mysterious, uh, mysterious lights, Seen just above the horizon every night, red in color, appearing punctually at 7.30 p.m. and again at 10 p.m. Well, at least they're punctual. (laughs) Right. And so the the information in this article was given by a man named Anderson Lovin, L-O-V-E-N. Okay. McLovin, if you're nasty. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and, And then he was described as a, quote, an old and reliable resident. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So in 1912, mm-hmm. that's when the rumors started going around about the lights. Okay. More verbally, not written down, or maybe if it was, it was just written down on something that, that, that they couldn't find anything else. But about 1912, the rumors start going around about the lights. Okay. So it just so happened that in 1911, the book, it was a 1906 novel called Master of the World. Okay. It was written by a guy named Jules Verne. Oh. That's right. Jules Verne. The same author whose fictional town of Marfa <laughs> in the book Michael Strogoff oh my is God. the namesake of Marfa, Texas. Fox, it goes all the way to the top. It's all a conspiracy. <laughs> it took me a second. I even talked about it and it still took me a second to be like, wait. Wait, what? Oh my god! So, so it, it, this this is just one of those things where you're like, there's no fucking way. Okay, so so this book comes out in 1906. It's in French, and it's translated to English in 1911. Uh-huh. So 1911, 1912 is about the first time that people in America are reading Master of the World. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so the the idea of the Master of the World is a Mad scientist is constructing an airship inside Table Rock, uh-huh. which is at the 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 Linville Gorge. Yeah, right next to next to Brown Mountain. So, in the book, out of fucking nowhere, Jules Verne is writing about Morganton, North Carolina. What the fuck? And building an airship inside of Table Rock, elevation three thousand nine hundred twenty feet. And <laughs> Thank you for including that. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there, yeah. And so then the strange activities of this mad scientist building this ship causes strange lights to appear on the summit of the mountain. What? This was also in a time throughout the late 1890s and early 1910s where there was actual electricity being run to places in the surrounding areas. Yeah. So... It, it seems like there's a good chance that the Brown Mountain Lights were encouraged by a French novel. So wait, when did <laughs> when did the lights in Marth, Marfa start being seen? 1893. Okay, so before the novel. So I mean, I, I, it's 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 feasible. I, mean, I don't know the Michael. I didn't I didn't see when that. That's the one thing I didn't look when that Michael Strogoff mm-hmm. book was written, but. Um, 
I mean, I guess it's 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 feasible that Jules Verne could have read about those lights somehow, I guess, and named Marfa. Uh-huh. But it just still is just like, what the fuck? That's so crazy. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that that seems to have helped. And um, so just like in the novel, the locals start asking. They demand that their congressmen send the government in for an investigation of the lights, just like it happened in the book. Oh, okay. Um, the only thing is, is that uh, he was. He miss he kind of was loose with his uh, geography. Uh-huh. There was also like I think Kansas was supposed to be like abutted next to this place. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <he>, not. <laughs> and, and the town was also Mount Ari, which is Mount Airy, Airy which is yeah. the you know, which yeah, which people don't know is Mayberry. And uh, and wait, so, what? Yeah, yeah, Mount Airy, North Carolina. Uh huh. Is that's that was the basis for. Uh, for, for Mayberry. Well, shit. You learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know, it's not that far from Raleigh because that's where Barney would go to party. <laughs> you know, remember Barney was always going to Raleigh with whatever her name was. And Barney was originally Raleigh. from Southern West Virginia. See, it all goes all the way to the top. It's all a conspiracy. All the way to the top. All the <laughs> way to the top. So, uh, so, yeah. So, they dispatched D.B. Starrett. Uh, and basically, <laughs> Such a you know, remember name. that, remember that, Remember that regularity and punctuality of the uh, of, of those lights? Yes. Well, it it just kind of so happened that from this dude's hotel, he would have been able to see the lights of a train station. That just so happened, this one train that arrived at seven thirty, and this other one that arrived at ten p.m. <laughs> so it was left little doubt that these were the lights that were being reported. Oh, that's along with the lights that were starting to populate in the valley and people were seeing electric electric lights for the first time. And that, yeah, from where he was staying or his residence, it it said it was a hotel. So I'm not sure if he lived at the hotel or what, Uh but that uh, they said from that, from that room, they could see this, these lights of this train station or, or at least the lights along the train, uh, along the railroad line. Nice. In 1922, they, they published the, uh, the U S department of the interior published findings from scientific studies of the Brown Mountain Lights, um, I actually the link that I have is the 1971 updated version, which I don't think is really updated. I think it's just republished or something uh-huh. in 71. It pretty much just comes right out and says like, yeah, the, you you can see these lights. And I'll I'll just say right now, um, I saw lights when I was there. <gasps> I was going to ask you earlier, and I didn't want to ruin it in case it was part of your story. So you did see them. Mm-hmm. I saw car lights across the valley. Damn it, Pox. You got me all excited for nothing, you asshole. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I saw. Dang and they it. did sweep across the valley at one point in time. Ah. And all, you know, shine above us. I was and so then excited. I was, like, I was pointing to them and my friend, my friend who was there with me was like, no, 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 no. That's, 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 not, that's, that's, that's not it. That's not it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just saying like I saw them go behind that mountain and then a few minutes later come behind <laughs> that one. So they did appear in a couple of different places. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. So Damn anyway, it. so uh, I, w- I will include a link. It's, it is literally like a 25 page report, uh, uh-huh. hardbound, hardbound cover. That's just been uh, uh, copied, scanned into something, a PDF. So that's, that's kind of the end of like the, the stories of them that I have so far, but I will say that um, there is another list that I've gone through and um it, it started off much higher, but I've, I've gone through and I've gotten rid of the ones that I, I talked about in here uh-huh. and also got rid of the ones that took place in other countries. And there are still um, 61 named lights that I did not discuss. 
and actually seven of them are in North Carolina. And really? There's only one in West Vir- yeah, there's only one in West Virginia. Wait, um, where's it? And it was because <laughs> I want to go see. <laughs> I'm a dork. More Morefield. Oh, okay. That's Col- over. I'm, that's on the other side of Charleston. Coal Mountain. C O L E. Yeah. Mountain so that's Light. on the other side of Charleston. So that's a ways away. But I still might try to do it. <laughs> That's just the only one I saw, but um, I, I will also say in here that I didn't include one. There's one that's uh, mild. I, I just learned about it not long ago. Uh-huh. There's one that's miles away from my house. Um, it's kind of over, I guess it's, it's along the Blue Ridge Parkway and it's close to Cherokee, I guess. Okay. And you have to drive a little ways and I guess you get around the other side of Cherokee. And then I think it's called the Thomas Divide. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pull off to see Thomas divide. And I guess you're supposed to do it around sunset, same kind of thing, get your bearings and then flash your lights or led flashlights beams down in there. And they're supposed to start coming out of nowhere. Um, I know a guy who says he saw him. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I was really amazed. Like, uh, when I was going, when I was scrolling through this thing, uh, actually let's make that uh, 60 because I just saw one from Saskatchewan. Oh. Saskatchewan. So I'm going to delete that. So there's 60 at least. Uh-huh. Um, still, that's a whole lot. Um, but yeah, when I was going through, I was like, oh my God, there's so many in North Carolina. I need to actually count these up. And so I went through and North Carolina's got to be in the lead. Um, there's a lot in Arkansas. Seems like a lot in the South. Um, uh-huh. And then, you know, then the, something will mess that up and it'll be Alaska, you know? So yeah. <laughs> um, a lot, a lot in the South. But um, so now that I kind of, Pop the balloon of the brown mountain lights. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you didn't a whole... use a different metaphor on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I did actually in, in here at some point in time, I had to get rid of the word gaslighting because I was like, that doesn't work. Um, I'm going to give some explanations now of the other lights. And pretty much all of these were either investigated by... Some type of scientists, but most of them were local or not so local universities uh-huh. um, came in and, and, and performed a lot of these studies. So the Paulding light in 2010, a team from Michigan Tech led by uh, electrical engineering student Jeremy Boss. A lot a lot of these people bring in a spectrograph, which I guess, you know, measures light and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And um, so pretty much what they did was they they they. I'm just going to, I'm just going to read directly from their findings. So, okay. So they brought a spectrograph and a telescope to the dead end road, sent each other driving down the new highway while blinking their lights in a prearranged pattern and recorded the the results. Every time the light appeared, one would look to the telescope and showed what sure looked like the headlights of an oncoming car, which could be clearly seen to the lens. Sometimes with a distinct outline of the car coming down the road, which is about eight miles away. The group even shot a video through the telescope so the others could see and post online. They said the flickering, they said, was caused when cars went over a hill. Hmm. So they said that they also analyzed local atmospheric patterns and found that heat rising off the pavement may sometimes contribute to the light's distortion. Um, And also there's an inversion layer in the line of sight between the road. And, And so what they're saying in there, there's either like, there's something that causes a change in temperature mm-hmm. between the road and with the person viewing it. And that becomes something kind of common. Okay. So like in this case, it might be like a, a, a lake or a pond or something, you know, it's the UP. So it could be water. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, so basically, so 
you think about like if you've ever been at the beach or someplace like that or like someplace where there, you can you can see the horizon sometimes it looks like that ship like there might be a boat real far out there it might look like there's like it's up in the air but it's just because the it just has to do with the way that like the heat or the light is reflecting off of something uh-huh. or, I, you know, so, so just kind of imagine that it's like, it's like, it's, it's like just something is causing it to look like it's elevated gotcha. because like there's a hot air below cold. I'm doing a horrible job explaining, <laughs> but, um, you're doing so great. I'm not sweetie. a scientist. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so they're saying that th- these, this, this, this stable air or whatever it is could account for being able to see light for further because uh-huh. there's not, I just, I don't know. So anyway, so then we go to the Joplin, Missouri, the the Hornet Spook Light. This one is uh, th- this one's a little bit different. Um, so one possible explanation that is not easily discounted yet not proven conclusive is that the lights are electrical atmospheric charges in which there's areas where rocks deep below the Earth's surface are shifting and grinding, and an electrical charge can be created. Hmm. Apparently, this area is on a fault line. Oh, okay. And it runs east from Madrid, Missouri, towards Oklahoma. And this is the site of four earthquakes during the 18th century. These uh, types of electrical fields are most commonly associated with earthquakes. And uh, so, yeah, so that's one of the things that could be. There's a good chance it might have been car lights, (laughs) the headlights of cars. So Marfa, Texas. Mm -hmm. So spectropic. Good Lord. Spectroscopic. Excuse me. Spectroscopic analyst. <laughs> Spectroscopic. <laughs> you should see this fucking word. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Spectroscopic analysis uh, for 20 nights in May 2008. Uh, scientists from Texas State University uh, used spectroscopy equipment to observe lights from the Marfa Lights viewing station. Okay. They record a number of lights that could have been mistaken for lights of unknown origin. But in each case, the movements of the lights and the data from their equipment could easily be explained by automobile headlights or small fires. When the headlights are seen uh, through 15 miles or so of West Texas air that is unevenly heated by the ground, the light rays are bent and scattered slightly so that the headlights are fuzzy and wavering, even when viewed through a telescope. Um, This is the head professor for the Ingram School of Engineering at Texas State University. Basically giving it the example, it's the same reason why stars twinkle. Oh, okay. So, yeah. That's something I didn't mention in the very beginning is that off in the distance where the Marfa, head, where the, where the Marfa lights are, mm-hmm. you, can see a, you can see a highway off in the distance. Oh. And that's one of the other things they tell you to also put into your, your field of vision is to understand where the headlights mm-hmm. are. And that's why they say the Marfa lights do appear every night. But locals say the real ones only appear 12 nights a year because pretty much you're looking at headlights that are just kind of being distorted through Texas, like you talked about in the beginning, Mm -hmm. arid, desert, flat, nothing, and then just off in the distance is where those mountains are. And so it just kind of gives you some idea. It it just, so yeah. So pretty much headlights are the cause of 90% of these things. Mm. Um, now there's a couple of other things that can describe, um, what we could be seeing. And there's one called a Fata Morgana. And I could be putting more, uh, fanciness on that than it needs, but uh, <laughs> it could be a Forta, 
Feta Morgana. Feta. Uh, basically what it is, it's a super mirage. And it's kind of what I was trying to explain is um, they call it, uh, it, it translates into the name of an Authorian sorceress, Morgan the Fairy. Oh. And it was kind of explaining that thing about the, like where they would see these clouds off of the distance in uh, on the ocean. Uh-huh. And it would look like they were just like, they were just these mirages because of the wavering of the heat or what whatever was causing this waviness. Yeah. And, and sometimes would cause ships that they would see sailing out to look like they were elevated above the water. Oh, okay. And so that's why they were like these fairy castles or air or false land as it was sometimes yeah. called. And, and she was the one who had the witchcraft to create these things. Almost, you know, like, you know, just like, just like everything. Let's put, make a woman the, the enemy. I mean, <laughs> In aren't history, we it's all? Like, let's make the woman. Come on. Harpies, um, sirens. Succubus. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Authori- uh, an Authorian sorceress, Morgan the Fairy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah. She would lure sailors to their deaths because they would keep chasing something that wasn't there. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So the other thing is, uh, something that, you know, I'm sure you and I are both of a certain age. And when I say these three words, it's going to elicit, uh, a, a song in both of our heads, but <laughs> oh, uh, boy. I had to fight it the entire time. So there's another, uh, thing. And it also has to do with, uh, ships and planes and things like that actually is St. Elmo's fire. <clears throat> <laughs> So anyway, uh, St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> That's a horrible... Maybe I'll just include like a low... I'll just include low St. Elmo's Fire go. under there from the 80s or whatever. Um, so anyway, so the, the so basically what St. Elmo's Fire really is, is it's... Imagine like they always talk like like they also talk about this in the outdoors where like you can see light starting to form at the top of a, a pine tree or something like that. A tree in the middle of a field yeah. that's getting ready to get struck by lightning. Same kind of thing. So St. Elmo's fire is a glow that's like an electrical charge that's around uh, a ship uh-huh. or they in, in, in the world of in the world of UFOs. You can also have uh, St. Elmo's fire be charged on the, the wings of a plane. Oh, OK. So that's and that's why they're kind of included in the same sentence. Um, but yeah, so Saint Elmo's fire can create this light that that people might not be able to. <laughs> I heard that. What one. the cat? Yeah, she's at the door. The song that I thought about, by the way, was uh, Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start This Fire." It was always oh, burning. I was thinking of. <laughs> I was thinking obviously of Saint Elmo's fire from the '80s. Whatever. I don't know that da. one. Da, 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 da. Oh, that one. Okay. No, yeah. I was thinking Billy Joel. <laughs> so I know that like um, our whole, the whole base of our, of our podcast is that it is what happens to the American wilderness. Yeah. Um, but I thought since this was in, in my research, it just kept coming up with these, a few phrases that come from other countries. And um, so, I mean, like there's, I mean, like just just like real quick, like the things that are are not on our list or uh, that are well, that I took off that other list that were international, like St. Louis, Saskatchewan, Canada, the St. Louis light. It's along a railroad line. Guess what? Um, and well, by the way, there's a highway back behind it, and uh, that's lights off in the distance. Um, uh, it's a ghost train. <laughs> literally in the description of it, it says 
Two 12th grade students from LaRange, Saskatchewan won science fair gold medals for investigating and eventually duplicating the phenomenon, which they determined to be caused by the diffraction of distant vehicle Damn teenagers. lights. <laughs> Those meddling but kids. Like a lot of these, <laughs> yeah, but like a lot of these, they say that they came around, these stories have been around before there were cars. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a very common thing you see in a lot of these, and it's just kind of like, well, how reliable are those yeah. stories? But anyway. India, there's one called Sherbati. Uh-huh. Um, this one was very interesting and I'm going to mispronounce a lot of things. So this is just taken straight from Wikipedia. So in modern science it's generally accepted that most Ignis, Ignis Fatui, um, which I think are fake images, uh, are caused by the oxidation of phosphine, diophosphane, and methane. Oh, okay. These compounds produced by organic decay can cause photon emissions, since phosphine and diophosphane mixtures spontaneously ignite with, uh, on contact with oxygen and air, only small quantities of it would ne- be needed to ignite the much more abundant methane to create ephemeral fires. That's what ignis fui okay. is, ephemeral fires. Uh, furthermore, phosphine produces phosphorus pentoxide as a byproduct which forms phosphoric acid upon contact with water hmm. vapor. Uh, so this goes back to something that is kind of more commonly known in Ireland uh-huh. or an English folk belief was the will of the wisp. Okay. Oh wait, I've um, heard of that. It's yeah. And it actually, uh, well, I'll go ahead and say, it. I'm, I'm just, just going to read this straight off of Wikipedia okay. right here in folklore. Uh, a will of the wisp, uh, is a, atmospheric ghost light seen by travelers at night, especially over bogs, swamps, and marshes. Mm-hmm. Phenomenon in known, is known in English folk belief, English folklore, and much of the European folklore by a variety of names, including Jack O'Lantern, huh. Friar's Lantern, Hinky Punk, and Hobby Lantern, and is said to have misled travelers by re- uh, resembling flicker- flickering lamps or lanterns in the distance. Uh... The will of the wisp, uh, yeah, in literature, will of the wisp metaphorically refers to a hope or a goal that leads to one but is impossible to reach, or something that one finds strange or sinister. Uh-huh. Um, the other place, because I was like, God, this sounds familiar, and I am not. Uh, I didn't mean for that to sound so so stern, <laughs> but I am. I am. I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons person. Uh-huh. But uh, I looked up, like, for some reason, I was like, this sounds familiar. And I kept trying to look around. And it turns out it's a, the, I know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the Forgotten Realms world of Dungeons okay. and Dragons. I found out that there, there are actual will-o'-wisps. They're malicious creatures that appear as torches or lanterns seen floating through swamps. Okay. So they're in, they, they've made it into that world as well. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're known. Yeah. Um, so they're just another, but, but just goes to show that like, it's not just the United States and that there are multiple, very different reasons why they could be happening. Um, three different places in the, in, in the world. And all of them were all three we've seen, which like could be methane, could be ball lightning, could be this gas, could be these cars in the distance behind the railroad. I will will um, say that I've heard the most, like what I've heard about, like just strange lights and whatnot being seen. Um, Marfa's lights, I have not, I had not heard of until today, but whenever you talked about like a lot of sightings in the U S or in like the South and stuff, I've heard a lot of like swamp lights and stuff. I don't know if you're like familiar with that. Um, 
Right, yeah. My grandma, um, well, my grandma and grandpa lived in Florida um, for a time. And my grandpa actually grew up, like, around the Everglades and all that. Um, He wrestled alligators for a living at Gator World at one time. Anyways, but whenever he would go into the swamps and stuff, he would say, like, he told, like, my mom about how they would see, like, lights in the swamps and stuff. And he wasn't into, like, the woohoo and the mumbo-jumbo and whatnot. But he would always say, yeah, they always just say it's like swamp gas coming up and stuff. And so that's where, when he said methane, you know, possibly causing it and stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. no, that makes total sense. Especially with, you know, I don't know if a lot of those sightings in the south are like kind of in swampy areas and whatnot. But right. that would make like a lot of sense for sure. Like uh, while you were saying that, I just uh, I just binged. <laughs> Because uh, that was the that was the browser that opened up. Uh, I just binged uh, the Dismal Swamp, you know, which is on the border of North Carolina and yeah. Virginia, um, the Great Dismal yeah, Swamp. Yeah, Dismal Falls, right? Uh, and I just uh, it's between Norfolk and Elizabeth okay, City. That's not what I was thinking then. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, but uh, it's it's saying here like when I just did Dismal Swamp lights, and sure enough, ghost lights in Dismal Swamp. So, I mean, there's, there's one even that wasn't even mentioned in that group of 60 that I was looking at. I I imagine there's probably these stories. Anytime there's a swamp, there's gotta be a story about these Uh lights. Um, now one other thing I wanted to go on about was that, uh, not that I'm going on about (laughs) anything, but one thing, but one thing I wanted to mention was I came across this thing and it was a panel of orb experts. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I was like, okay, all right, I'll. I'll listen we to them. We've got experts now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've got experts to listen to. And I'll just, you know, so uh, so what it was, was it was some woman's podcast. Uh-huh. And she had compiled together, like, way too many people to have on a oh, podcast. <laughs> and, and I would say it was probably like five or six of them. And what I was listening to, I realized at the beginning of it, as I was walking around on my lunch break, listening to a podcast, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> they were trying to figure out how they were going to start it. Like, well, okay. And this one guy, you could tell this one guy was a, was an older gentleman. He just, either that or he just had the voice of a grandpa. And he was like, well, I have a, I have a PowerPoint and that would do a lot of the good. We should, we should start with that. And then finally you hear the woman whose podcast it is go, Hey guys, um, I'm going to start the show. <laughs> it's my, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So what I was listening to was basically their Zoom call before they went live on YouTube oh. to talk about their, like, to basically have, like, a panel discussion on YouTube. And eventually, I guess at some point in time, I didn't listen long enough that they were going to ant- they were gonna take questions and answers. It's funny. When bullshitters are forced to talk to other bullshitters, uh-huh. it's pretty funny. <laughs> Because you don't want to call the other one out, but see, but I, I've just got, I've, I've listened to a few of these things before, and when you're talking about the unknown, yeah. and everybody comes into it with their idea and their book that they're trying oh, to yeah. sell, and their and their fans, and so here there were like you know five six people trying to convince the other ones, so one guy kept going on and on about the colors of the orbs and what that means, and that. Blue orbs are healing orbs and that not all orbs are bad, 
Now, he did go on to say that we actually all are orbs. We're just a whole bunch of orbs of light put oh, all together. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I just kept, I listened probably for about 15, 20 minutes. And then it was just person trying to push their eye. And like every person trying not to say that sounds like bullshit because you could easily say it about whatever they were saying yeah. about. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. And I, I hate it if people paid to listen to this. And so I, I just couldn't do it. So it just, it just, that's, that's where I had to take the word gaslighting out of this uh-huh. because it was just uh, too good. But, um, but yeah, so final thoughts, Jerry Springer. <laughs> <laughs> I think the big thing, and, and this could be a, a, a you know, I, I'll throw a few things out here. I, I think the big question about all this is do small towns like Marfa really want there to be an explanation? No. I mean, like, like you said, like whenever I told you, Hey, there's more than one place that advertises, Hey, come here to see these Uh lights. It's like you immediately saw, Oh, it's a racket. (laughs) When the locals tell you, yeah, you're looking at headlights, but it does happen 12, 12 times a year. You might be here one of those days that month. That actually happens, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it would like it would be like Roswell being like, nah, there's no Area 51. There's no oh, UFOs. God. There's no, you know, you know, there'd be like Area 51 being like, no, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good. <laughs> we're just, we're just kidding. So going back to Martha, uh-huh. like I said, he kept a journal. Uh, the 16 year old kid that saw the that thought the mountains had moved. He kept a journal, and so this is from an article that was written about that written about an interview with him. And so speaking about the lights, her father saw his daughter, Julia Plumley said, and they thought they were probably a campfire Indians or other travelers, but they just kept seeing them the next night. They were there and the next night, the next week and year. And I'm sure they began to wonder what on earth, what on earth are those lights? Well, they thought that these lights that they had been seeing for all these years were campfires from travelers or Indians that had been up there the whole time. So that's why he thought like, Oh, the mountains closer because the campfires that are up in the, up in the Hills are closer, but it was just the Marfa lights were Hmm. closer. So yeah, way before cars or at least way before they would be there. And so then the woman who was his grandmother, Oh no, no, excuse me. His granddaughter has gone through his memoir and mm-hmm. there's not a single thing in it about life. Really? Not a single thing. Huh. And now the, the family tale has been retold often is still retold today, but now this family is part of a, a recorded history. There's actually now their name is on a plaque in a viewing area in Marfa. And so they're part of the story, whether they like it or not, or whether they're willing to admit it or not. So now let's look at the Brown mountain lights. And this is how I'll end it is that there's a sentence in there at the end of the conclusion of the Brown mountain lights investigation that took place in 1922. And it has this one quote. They mentioned that, uh, where, where the brown mountain lights are claimed to, the, the places that are claimed to have the best places to see the brown mountain lights, 
they furnish one of the many attractions afforded by this remarkably well-situated and delightful little town. Among the other localities from which the Brown Mountain Lights are said to have been seen are the slopes of Ginger Cake Mountain and a mile and a half southwest of Cold Spring and the toll gate on the Yanahalusi Road on the south slope of the Grandfather Mountain. It's also reported they have been seen from Morganton and other points in the valley southeast of Brown Mountain. Basically, if you read this and if you know about mm-hmm. the area... The U.S. government is kind of giving a nod to the Brown Mountain Lights saying like, yeah, they're one of the many attractions that are along this entertaining road between Asheville and Boone. Increasing tourism and getting people to stay at either campgrounds or hotels where these lights can be seen mm-hmm. is just another thing. And so Grandfather Mountain, uh, it has like, like, like for, for people who don't know down here, Grandfather Mountain, it has the highest swinging bridge on the East mm-hmm. Coast. Um, it's a huge S like it's scary as shit for a lot of people. Um, but it, it, but there's like a lot of attractions along the way. And like, you know, there used to be a lot of little like mini zoos back there. And, you know, so, so basically they're just kind of saying like, yeah, good job. Good job, Morganton. And (laughs) and this hotel that has the Brown mountain lights. So you can see from them, you are one of the connective tissue of tourism between Asheville or Morganton and, uh, and, and Boone. And, uh, so yeah, so I, 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 you know, like I always say, I want to believe, but, mm. but and that's, that's my story. Ah, bravo. That was so good. Well, Dang. like I said, there's a lot in there and I know it went for a long time, but, uh, yeah. No, it's so good. Like it's, that is one of those things that, yeah, I'm like, okay, a ghost shows up. They got to slap me in the face to believe it. Something tangible that I can see I'm a little more apt to right. kind of somewhat believe in. Yeah. And I, I mean, one, I always think it would be neat to see, like not from a paranormal, weird, spooky perspective, just straight out. It would just be cool to see, like just to witness it happening. Yeah. But in my brain, I can go back to, you know, well, particularly in a place like the South, is it, you know, gas is coming up. Um, and the thing is with like in Marfa, Marfa too, I mean, that area is a big oil and gas place, yep. you know, West Texas is oil and gas, oil and gas in the South where you see a lot oil and gas, you know, mm-hmm. plus you got the swampy areas that are gassy and gas. So it's like, I can find in, in my brain, like a better link between what actually causes it and still appreciate seeing it because it's, I mean, it's. If anything, it, it could be a natural phenomenon, you know, going on. And it's just like, that's pretty cool if you get to see a natural phenomenon happen. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just yeah. think it's neat. And I'm so glad that we you did this, <laughs> like, with the weird lights. Because I was hoping, whenever you mentioned it, I don't even remember when it was. If it was last episode or the first one. Mm-hmm. might have been last one. And I was like, is it what I think? And you're like, probably. And then when you told me, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. So I, when I was a kid, I watched, I remember my parents and I watching on PBS and it probably would have been North Carolina public public television. And uh-huh. it was a documentary. I remember being very young. On the and, Brown Mountain Lights. And it was on Brown Mountain Lights. Um, it, they played it on our PBS here in West Virginia too, because I saw it. Okay. On and, our PBS. and it was like very early on <laughs> and it was very early yeah. on in GPS and, yeah. and they had people, so they were standing on the side of the mountain where across where the lights were being seen. Mm-hmm. And there were people on the other side 
on Brown Mountain, let's say, where the lights were, um, mm-hmm. that they were telling the people where the, the, the coordinates to go to. The people, yeah. the people would go to those coordinates and they would not see anything. Yeah. But, but they would be on the other side like, no, that's exactly where it is. And yeah. they were like, you're, you're, you're standing directly underneath it. Do you not know? Like, we don't yeah. see anything. So, you know, I, I remember, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I probably could find that somewhere, but I just remember that being a big thing of them just like, no, you're standing right where it should be and they can't yeah. see it. So I don't know, like those two things kind of stick out in my mind as far <laughs> as like, you know, they, 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 they you know, again, it was early on in GPS, but I mean, you think even yeah. if you're off by 30 to a hundred feet, you'd still see a glowing orb above you. Yeah. No, I, I saw that documentary. I want to say I was in like my late teens when I saw it. So, it, I mean, of course it wasn't like right when it came out or anything. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I remember seeing it on our local PBS here. Cause I was like, Oh, that is so crazy. How are they not seeing it? And it's right above them. And yeah, no. Yeah. Tell yeah. me which one you're talking about. I just remember that being a big thing. And I was like, wow, you know, like that, that, that always stuck with me. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, you know, kind of like, kind of like you and I were talking about with ghosts. I'm like, there's, it's something chemical. It could either be in our brain or it could be happening in a swamp like, like that. Yeah. Um, um, let me ask you this because I'm going to get all into the spooky, ooky, weird and woo woo. Okay. Um, because that's my go-to. So you mentioned earlier, this isn't like UFOs and blah, 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 and all that good stuff, right? Right. Well, let me ask you this. Do you believe in aliens and UFOs? It's a loaded question, I know, but <laughs> I'm curious your take on it, and then I'll give you my take on it. I uh, I think, you know, in, in the realm of possibilities of, like, the things we've talked about so far, um, uh-huh. I think it's probably the most real, <laughs> realistic one. <laughs> Um, that, you know, that there would be something else out there, you know, I mean, I, I just look at, you know, we're, we're almost 14 billion years old, you Uh know, and and if time is expanding out from the center, then that means there's a, hopefully a 14 billion year old civilization prior Uh 14 year billion older civilization. Um, so I mean I don't know I uh, I I, I kind of think I don't know that's the, like like I said like it out it's of everything it's a loaded question I know <laughs> out of everything I think probably like believing in 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 there being other civilizations probably is more realistic than believing <laughs> believing in ghost lights <laughs> gotcha I don't know I don't know I I, I haven't had any experiences. I haven't had anything Uh where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is definite. But it's just like, "Mm, you know, it just seems like the most possible of of all of them that something else is out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because (gasps) we are very similar. What? I was just joking. I was like, loaded question. Just kidding. Loaded question. I was like, did your damn computer die again? God. No. Um, (laughs) I was going to shit a brick. Um. We're, I think, very along the lines, sim- like, on similar thinking on that. Mm-hmm. Um, do I believe that there are UFOs that have come into our atmosphere and that's what people see randomly in the sky? No, I do not. I think more than likely that is, like, when people see, quote-unquote, UFOs and they do their videos, I think it's more than likely um, military planes of some type. Right. That people are witnessing and 
course, the government, like, not to sound like, God, I sound like a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not really trying to be like that. But I think the government lets it play like that because you don't want other places to know all the technology you would have at hand if you're military, right? Right. right. I mean, it, it's common thinking. So I don't think that we actually see UFOs here, you know, in our on our planet. On another note, though, I think it is stupid of us to think that we are the only actual civilization and only planet with life in this whole universe, you know? Yeah. Because there's so much to it and there's so... I mean, it's so wide and expensive, expansive and, you know, always expanding. And I mean, we are a teeny tiny, like not even a speck of dust in just the Milky Way, Milky Way galaxy alone. So it'd be foolish of us to think that we there isn't another like civilization of some type or maybe not civilization, but that there isn't life on another planet in another galaxy somewhere, you know? Right. Ma- and, and, and is I... it, is, you know, is it maybe a primitive you know, life form, like we're talking like amoeba, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's a giant possibility. Is it a more advanced one? Yeah, that's also a possibility. We don't know because we can't explore it. So long and short of it, I don't think UFOs are real. I don't think we see actual, technically they would be UFOs, but I don't think they're space UFOs. I think they're military, you know, Right. UFOs. And I I think, but aliens. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard some pretty strong arguments. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some pretty strong arguments for uh, aliens being just us in the future. I mean, you and yeah. I might have talked about that before, where it's just like we have Bluetooth in our head, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we communicate. So we don't need to have ears and our, our and actually speak. <laughs> yeah, the the gray. You know, like I'm talking about like the grays. You know, what people talk yeah. about the grays, like that that that's just us in a few thousand years. We've just gotten to the point where this is what we need: these big brains and yeah, whatever, and that they're just fucked up time travelers. That they yeah. that they have just screwed up and come back to the wrong time or expo- like it got exposed at the wrong time and you know, maybe yeah. they're they're just like the shitty um, they're the shitty uh, 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 oh, what's the word I'm looking for travel agents like they just have they just have the shitty travel agents who are like oh I want to go back and see <laughs> yeah. what the 90s were like and it's like oh, okay oh fuck we wound up in 2017 in front of this guy. Yeah. Oh shit. We wound up at a Nickelback Jesus. concert, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, oh, God, I mean, I, I've heard that and I'm like, well, I like that idea, but cause I, it's just one of those where I'm kind of like, yeah, I could see that. I could see us getting like into the future and not really having a good handle on going back and not being seen. You know, you got to experiment a little bit. So yeah, basically we both kind of believe that aliens uh, are a very good possibility. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, it's better than better than Sasquatch at this point. True, because true, true. We just have Sasquatch we have, ain't happening. We have way too many hunting cameras everywhere for Sasquatch to have not been seen <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, true story. I mean, I so. I can't know, tell you how many I have on my property. <laughs> uh, same. <laughs> it's like yeah, same same. Yeah, so they they be they're all around. So yeah, we'd we'd see them by now. Well, cool. Well, uh, yeah, that was that was. The America's problem with floating lights, part one, probably. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I, we could definitely go into like craziness with a part two on that one. One. All right. So to wrap up, uh, Pox, where can they find you on the interwebs? 
Find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Pox Holiday. Uh, and you can also listen to my other podcast, uh, Pox and Puss, on everywhere. And you can find me on Twitter at Hey That Nikki, N I K K I. And as I've said before, that's all you get from me. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can listen to my other podcast, The Appalachian Crime Trail, that I did with my good friend Kirsten um, on. I think it's on all podcasting platforms also. You can find our podcast at In The Pines Pod um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, And ta-da! That's all our good social stuff. Remember, some people go into the woods to make memories. And some people walk into the woods to be forgotten. Bye, y'all. Bye. Cause me to weep and cause me to moan, you cause me to leave.